Welcome back. Sports Radio 94 WIP. Joe Giglio with you. Tucker Bagley is behind the glass. You guys with us. 215-592-9494 is how you hop aboard here. A lot to get into. NFL, NFL picks later in the hour. We'll do a hot stove check-in as we were bringing back the hot stove check-in on a nightly basis. Latest predictions on where the top free agents might land, who the Phillies are getting in some of these predictions. We'll get to all that coming up. And, uh, of course, give you some props to look for for Monday Night Eagles and the Commanders. But right now, we have to go out to the guest line here to talk to Elliot Shore Parks. And I have to say, I mean, the Phillies run was great, but, Elliot, the audience missed our weekly chats. The Phillies kind of took up a lot of airspace in October. It's been far too long. It's been far too long. I agree. But, uh, you know, as fun as that run was, it's time to get back to the real team. And uh, I'm excited to talk football with you. Yeah, and that real team still hasn't lost the game, Elliot. Um, we've we've been having the conversation tonight here about the undefeated thing, and it's it's interesting. This has kind of started to pop up the last week or so. I heard the first time I heard it on WIP was I got in the car to come in a couple, maybe last week it was, and it was you and Ike um, discussing the idea of yeah. this and, and the thought on it. So 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 give me your perspective on it. As another win is in the bank, the Eagles are undefeated, and Elliot, we had a call a few minutes ago say it's too early to, to do this, and I'm like. I really do believe they're going to win every game in, until December. Then, then it's going to get you know harder and trickier. But I, I think this thing will go to December. So I don't think it's too early. I think this is on the horizon here. What's your perspective on, on the idea and the pursuit of a perfect season and, and how hard they should try yeah. to make it happen? Well, look, I mean, this is the first time in franchise history this has happened that they've been 8-0. Uh, they're the only team left that is undefeated. So it might be too early, whatever. They're the only team you can talk about it with. And when you're right, when you look at the schedule – I think it could get to, you know, 12 wins, 13 wins. I mean, when you look, like, they, look, they could lose any game. I'm sure we'll talk about the Washington game on Monday night. But when you simply look at their schedule, they are going to be favorites probably in every game besides the Christmas Eve game in Dallas. And I think they have a really good chance to win all those games. So the question is, how bad are they going to value it, right? And I think when you talk about Howie Roseman and Nick Sirianni and Jeffrey Lurie, who will be involved in this decision for sure, especially if it gets to 14, 15-0 or something like that, I think they value the history that would come with being the first team to go undefeated in a 17-game schedule, right? And only the third team ever to go undefeated throughout the whole regular season. So, you know, with how deep the roster is, uh, I think that in those final games, if it came to it, they could play some of their guys, you know, put in, you know, maybe play Zach Pathmore more, play Quez more, get Andre Dillard some snaps. Like, they have a lot of quality backups. So I believe that if it gets to week 14, 15, they're still undefeated. I do think they'll go for it, and I think it's the right decision. I think it would be a really big thing for this organization, and it would be history. So I think they'd be making the right decision if they did. Elliot, go through how you think the machinations would work if, if this becomes a reality. Let's, let's say they get to the Dallas game undefeated, so three games to go, Dallas, uh, New Orleans, and the Giants. I'm sure at that point – Pretty much everything is already wrapped up. Division, probably number yeah. one seed. So the question becomes, it's, it's, just, it's black and white, right? It's, it's, we go for this or we start backing off and resting players those final week or two. How do you think they, this would happen? Because we know what this organization does, whether it be the, the schedule of practice during the summer or it be the preseason games. They always err on the side of caution. I just can't imagine that Sirianni could look, you know, Jalen Hurts, Jason Kelsey, those guys in the eye and say, we're, we're going to sit you down. Do you think it starts at the top and then it works its way down? Like, how do you think they go about making the decision what to yeah. do here? Well, it's interesting because you said you know, they always err on the side of caution. And I think that certainly is one way to put it. I would argue, though, what they really do is they always do what's best for the organization, right? In, in training camp, the best thing for this organization was – get to week one healthy, right? And all the times we've talked about health and all those things, 
yes, it's cautious, but it's also just the correct thing for the team. So I think if they got to week 14 or 15, they would do the correct thing and they would go for it, right? I think that they would understand the history. I mean, I mean, you know, I think sometimes we talk about it so much that it gets a little, uh, you know, it, it's not appreciated as much as it is. We're talking about the possibility of the Eagles going undefeated in the regular season, right? Like, people still talk about that Patriots team, right? I, I mean, there's a Super Bowl winner every year, and I'm not diminishing winning the Super Bowl. It would clearly be huge. But if this team goes undefeated, they will probably be the most talked about Eagles team, I mean, maybe for the rest of the franchise's history, like until another team does it. So I think that, yes, they err on the side of caution for sure. But what they really do is they do what's best for the franchise. And what's best for this franchise would be to win every game and not pull starters, especially when they're talking, you're talking about them sitting two or three weeks, if not a month at that point, before they were to play their playoff game. So the other aspect, the health aspect is, is the one people come back to first and they worry about someone getting hurt. The other side of it is kind of the mental wear and tear. I, I do think that Patriots team was a little bit worn down both physically and mentally by the time the Super Bowl got around, you know, came around. But, Elliot, tell me if you disagree or agree. I, I don't worry about it with this team. There's, there's something about them. There's a, obviously, there's veterans like Kelsey. And you know, with the quarterback, with Jalen Hurts, I, I was saying earlier, I mean, the expectation when he was in college at Alabama was to win every game. Not a hope. It was an expectation. I, I yeah. don't think it would weigh on them to the point it would hurt them long term. What do you think about the group and how they would handle what would certainly become the biggest story in sports? You know, as, as someone that's covered the team for 10 years now, it's hard for me to imagine that there would be a time where there would be even more pressure on the Eagles than there already is, right? I mean, this, this, you've been around this team enough. You know, this is the biggest thing going in the city, right? Like, there is oh, they are always under a huge microscope. And Jalen Hurts, you're right. His whole life has been like this. Jason Kelsey's been here long enough. Fletcher Cox has been here. Brandon Graham, all these guys, right? Devontae Smith in the same boat as, uh, as Jalen Hurts. So, you know, I can't speak to how it will feel if they, if they are 17-0 going into the playoffs, right? Because only two teams have ever done it, and one of them was, you know, like 50 years ago or whatever. So, you know, it would be a rare, a rare occasion. But I just think with how much pressure they already play under and how used they are to it, I personally don't see this team folding uh, under that. I, I think that ultimately they, they would rise to the occasion. They would enjoy it kind of maybe like the pressure and the responsibility. And I don't think it's something that, they would, uh, that would hurt them as the season went on. All right, Elliot, let's kind of come back to, to the moment and then we'll kind of circle back to the future here. How worried should Eagles fans be, should everyone be right now about this run defense? It is, it's, it's towards the bottom of the league, and it seems like it's getting worse by the week. How big of a concern is this? I think it's a concern, for sure. Uh, like, I don't think it's something that will end their season, but, but I do think that when you talk about the run defense, what you're really talking about is tackling. This is a poor tackling defense uh, for long stretches. I think certain players have been really good. I think the linebackers are pretty good tacklers, but you look in the secondary, I don't think Chauncey Gardner-Johnson's a good tackler. James Bradbury, I don't think, has been a good tackler this year. And where that could really end up hurting them is when you face a team like the 49ers, when you face a run-first team or at least a team that likes to run the ball a lot, like Dallas. Now, I know that Jordan Davis is going to come back. I'm skeptical he'll come back and be able to make an impact. I've seen too many players, especially along the defensive line. When you miss training camp, which is essentially you know a, a month, right, a, a month of, of playing, it's hard to come back from that, especially someone Jordan Davis's side size in the middle of the season. So I think this team is still the best team in the NFC. I think they can overcome the run defense flaw, but it's definitely a flaw. And it's definitely something where if they have a playoff game and they tackle poorly, like that's how upsets happen. 
So I've started to wonder if there's any way to fix this uh, within the season. I mean, obviously personnel is, is a big part. Scheme is, is the other side of it. And, and the Jordan Davis thing you brought up is obviously it's real, right? He's he's That's why he was drafted to help with this. Elliot, do you think at any point this season we see maybe more snaps for N'Kobe Dean? I mean, I would think based on what he did in college, uh, the kind of player he profiles to be, he's probably a better run defender than a guy like Kaiser White, who's here more to uh, defend the pass. Do you think they could work him in more, maybe with uh, a better chance of tackling and playing the run? I, I don't. Uh, I don't think that's the path that, that they'll go. I think they view N'Kobe as someone that maybe next year – uh, can play a larger role. And I also, frankly, at this point, don't know if it would be fair to ask N'Kobe, a third-round rookie linebacker, to come in and, fit, and fix the biggest flaw in the defense, right? So I think that, you know, to your point, like, how do they fix it, right? On one hand, I don't know what they do because they're in the middle of the season, the trade deadline's gone, and it's not one player. I think this is just they're a poor-tackling group. But the other thing I'll say is, you know, in the short time we've seen Nick Sirianni, so all of last year and the half of this year, He's really good at fixing problems in season. Last year, the penalties were a major problem. He fixed that. The offense was struggling. They switched to a running game. This year, it was a second-half offense. They've scored two-plus touchdowns each of their last two games. So I think the tackling problem is a real one, and I think it's hard to fix. But this coaching staff does have a history of in-season fixing flaws. Yeah, and the other thing I wonder about, it, not that it's not a big deal, and I agree with you. There's, there's something that's going on here that could hurt them. But I also wonder how, how big of a deal they really think it is. I mean, of the things that you want to – if you're going to be bad at something, you don't want to give up deep passes, right? You don't want to get beat over mm-hmm. the top. I mean, they got run on a lot last week, and what did the Texans score? 17 points? I, I mean, I, I, do you think – how concerned do you think they are? Because it's not something it feels like they think is going to lose them a lot of games. Yeah, well, it's lost them no game so far. So, you know, right. in a way, it's, it's hard to, to be too worked up about it. I think the concern would be – and you're right, like – you don't want to give up a 45-yard bomb. But the, the, the risk, I guess, of, of the run thing is if you get to a playoff game, right? Like, you know, we, first playoff game, they're playing the Niners. And the Niners are chewing like seven, eight minutes of clock time because, you know, the Eagles aren't tackling and they are running the ball. That could hurt the offense, right? Because then the Eagles' offense can't get on the field. So I, I think that how their defensive philosophy is, they don't want to give up big plays, right? They, they're, for the most part, okay giving up long drives because they're up so much that it's okay that, you know, whatever team, like the Texans, it's okay if they go on a seven-minute drive because there's only 15 minutes left in the game and they're down three scores, then obviously, you know, it's okay to kill seven minutes. But I think the problem could be come playoff time, if they can't get the offense back on the field because of poor tackling, that's really where it would hurt. We're talking to Elliot Shore Parks here. Eagles and Commanders coming up on Monday night. Eagles undefeated headed to the game. Elliot, uh, any thought that this could be tricky on Monday? It's, second, it's the first time they've seen a team twice, right? First division game two times. I haven't yeah. seen the Giants once yet. But um, any thought it could be tricky? Because even last week, 14-14 at the half, but I never really felt like they were going to lose the game. Yeah, you know, I, I hate to sound like generic football analyst guy, but but I do think anytime you play a divisional opponent the second time, it is difficult. Like, I've seen so many games late in the season against Washington that are closer than they're supposed to be, right? The Greg Ward game-winning touchdown, like all those types of things. So, I mean, even last year against Washington, it, it was close at the end. So, I, I look at the line, it's, I think it's 11 points or 10 and a half. That, that feels like, like a large line for, for a matchup like this. I do think that Washington's better with Heineke and then, than they are with Carson. They do have a good uh, defensive line. So I think there's some tricky components to this. But ultimately, if the Eagles play their game, they'll, they'll, they'll win. Whether they'll co- they will cover, I don't know. 
But I think that this would have to be a pretty poor performance from the Eagles to lose the game. Elliot, this week you wrote that Jalen Hurts is obviously the NFL MVP at the midway point. Why did you have him over, I'm assuming, Mahomes and and Allen and Tua in your rankings? Yeah, so when you look at Jalen, there's obviously a lot of things he does really well. But the main reason the Eagles are undefeated through eight games is they're plus 15 turnovers. And I think when people see that stat, they think about the defense. But what that also, a huge part of it is, they've only turned the ball over three times on offense. And Jalen is a huge part of that. Look at the Bills lost to the Jets last week. Josh Allen, two interceptions, right? Like, he has eight interceptions on the year. That's almost three times as many total turnovers as Jalen Hurts' offense has, right? So I think that when you talk about, like, yes, the Eagles are loaded on offense. I get that, you know, they have a very talented roster. And I think that individually, like, Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen are better than Jalen is. But I think Jalen's unique ability to really take care of the ball and to be really smart with it is what makes him so valuable to this Eagles team. So Mahomes is amazing. You know, obviously he would be my number two. Two has missed some time, which, which hurts him. But I think that when you look at the first eight games or, you know, the first midway point of the season, there's been no quarterback more valuable to his team winning than Jalen. Yeah, he just there's no negative plays. I mean, it's, it's, it's remarkable. Yeah. That's why the offense is so good. Elliot, let's end with this. I know you went to the hardware store this week. Tell us about that. <laughs> and I, I, I was kidding earlier because I saw your tweet that really you go through our, our team here at WIP. It's, it's a pretty, you know, it's a group that is very not handy is, is the way I'll put it. Yeah. Like, like, who would you even think would be the handiest person among all of us? It's hard I mean, to pick my one first out. Thought was probably Ike or, or Richie, just because they, I don't know, like they played football. So I, I like yeah, they're, str- they're stronger than us. They should be yeah, able to do exactly. things. Right? Yeah, and I mean, like they're both very smart. So like maybe they could figure that out. But look, I don't want to toot my own horn. But not only this did, this week <laughs> did I go to the hardware store and successfully buy something to pick up the grass within my backyard. I then went back again and got the correct tools to drill something into the front of my house. I had to pick out a drill bit. I need something like to put in there to to get the screw. Like I, I'm not even sure what it was called, but I did it. I was almost gonna hire a task rabbit, and I did it myself. So not only do I feel great about myself, I saved some money. I probably won't attempt anything else soon in the house. I'm on a hot streak now, but there's nothing better, no better feeling than accomplishing that. So what do you mean? Like you mean like a rake for the leaves? No. So it's like called a grass vacuum or something. So oh, it sucks them up. I, Yes, exactly. Yeah. So I wasn't raking. I was, you know, my wife was, you know, getting a little annoyed at all the grass just completely sitting in the backyard. So I had to get something to like, yeah, it was a, he called it a grass vacuum. I don't know. <laughs> it's probably his simple way of explaining it to me. I think he he probably immediately realized I wouldn't understand whatever the proper term for it. Now, was. now is it you or nothing or is your wife does she like to do that kind of stuff? Well, she's way better at it. Like yeah. whenever we hang anything in the house, she's the one that hangs it. Whenever we get a piece of furniture, she's the one that puts it together. I'm the one that stands there and like pretends like I'm helping. You know, she's like, "Hand me that." And I'm like, "All right, I can do that." <laughs> so, so, so that's yeah. Well, I understand that because I have the same thing. But now I'm being laughed my by my son who's seven now. Like he knows mm-hmm, how to do all rough. the drill bit stuff. Yeah, but I mean, I, you know what? I'm, I've accepted it. Life is about yeah. accepting things. You got to know your strengths and weaknesses. That's 100% correct. Any way I can be helpful and not make the house fall apart, that's what I'm good with. So it's I'm like Jalen. We, we just don't turn the ball over. Just, the, just 100% keep, just keep the offense we're, moving. We're, that's why we're football guys. We're not building guys. We're football guys. That's exactly right. Elliot, I appreciate you hopping on. Have a good weekend, and uh, we'll hear you on the pregame Monday and tomorrow. Go Birds? Yep, absolutely. All right. Thank you. All. Have a good night. Yep. Talk to you soon. There he goes. Elliot Shore Parks, who knows he's not handy. It's okay. So would you do electrical outlets or something? Yeah, my old house. I kept breaking the outlets and had to had to replace them. How do you break outlets? Uh, the one I dropped a picture frame on. 
and it just like broke in half. Okay. And the other one, just nothing would stick it in anymore. So I oh, pulled need- them out and I put right. the new outlets in. You felt and proud after Sunday, that. And then this Sunday, I put up our uh, our Christmas lights, which oh, you, is quite got, the ordeal. You got the Christmas lights already? Yeah. Now this is inside our of the apartment. Christmas tree went up November first, Joe. Wow. But the this series wasn't even over. But, yeah, that's true. But this is a fake tree. Yes. Yes. Okay. I was going to say that's. I mean, just judging by the the trees that I've had to drag out of the house on January sixth that are dying. I mean, you can't put a, a real tree up in November. You're asking for trouble. Yeah, no, that's a tough. Even though it, it is prime tree season, it's like been seventy degrees every day for the last two weeks. I gotta tell you, and you know, we're still about a month from this. I we we do the real tree every year. And we go cut it down, and I love I love the whole thing. And like, I get a, a coffee mug from the place. Like, it's a cool experience. There is nothing worse than having to take that thing out of the house. It's so messy. Like, it's first of all, it smells. It's yeah, like needles everywhere. Needles everywhere, and those needles do not go away. For months, like I, you could vacuum for an hour, and you still three months later you find a needle on your sock. It stinks. It's not ideal. It's one of the nice things about living in the city is I don't think there are real trees here. Well, you you can drive out of the city. I could. I, I choose not to. Yeah, I don't just... want to carry a, a tree up to my second story apartment. Okay. All right. Two one five five nine two ninety four ninety four. I want to hit on something Elliot talks about there with the um, the run defense and and how big of an issue it is. I think over the next six weeks or so. It's going to be, or five, let's say four weeks. Um, this week, the Brian Robinson and the Commanders, he's kind of the lead back now. Next week, Jonathan Taylor. Then it will be some combination of A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones. So Aaron Jones is banged up. Not sure how great the Packers' run game will be anyway. And then Derrick Henry after that. Saquon Barkley after that. Justin Fields after that. Justin Fields has become, you know, maybe the preeminent runner right now in the NFL. 178 yards rushing last year, and Herbert's pretty good too. So this is going to be a thing. Like This is going to be a story every week. Can they stop the run? Because everyone they play the next four, five, six weeks can run the ball. I just – I don't think it's going to kill them because it's, you know, it's the opposite of what you really worry about in the NFL. You really worry about can you stop the pass? Can you keep teams contained through the air? And if you could do that, it's going to be very hard for teams to score a lot of points just running the ball. Now, some of these games could be closer than we want because the other team could control the clock a little bit, keep Jalen Hurts and the offense off the field. I'm just not terrified of it. The, the one thing I am worried about if we get to the playoffs, like because the teams are they're coming up here, right? Like Washington stinks. Green Bay's not very good. Uh, Tennessee's okay, and and they're tricky because they're well coached. Um, you know, the Colts are terrible and have Jeff Saturday coaching them. The Giants, I think, are overrated, and you know that division game, so it's tough. But like, I'm not scared of that offense. They have no receivers on that offense, none. The only time I'd be worried about this this inability to stop the run is when we get to the playoffs and they face a really good team that can also run the ball like that. Until then, I'm I'm not really sweating this. It's the Niners in the playoffs. I'm trying to think if anyone else that kind of fits that bill that would be in the playoffs that deep. Maybe the Seahawks with Kenneth Walker. But, like, until we get to the playoffs and they're facing a team that runs, I, I just can't get bent out of shape about it. I think the big thing is finding a team that runs the football and plays really good defense. It's not Right, because it, it becomes a matter of can they stop the offense because we saw it last Thursday against Houston, right? They, they didn't stop Damian Pierce at all. They, they let him run wild all afternoon. But the Eagles' offense was more efficient. They, they, they scored touchdowns through the air. They moved the ball quickly down the field. And in the second half, when the game was tied, they had two quick touchdowns wrapped around uh, an interception by James Bradbury, and that was it. It was over, right, in a matter of seconds because they went up two possessions, and Houston couldn't come back from that. The, the flip side would be is if you play a team 
like San Francisco that has an elite defense and can shut down Jalen Hurts. The way the Eagles are currently playing complementary football on both sides on offense and defense just makes it so tough. If, if your main goal is to run the ball and run out the clock, the Eagles' offense has been so efficient that even if you limit their possessions, they're still going to score. Which is what happened in the Texans game, right? How many possessions the Eagles have in the Texans game? In the first half, I think they only had three, and they scored two touchdowns. Like, even if you limit the possessions, they're still going to score a lot of points. It's very hard to beat them that way. When we, if Here's what I want the Eagles to do. This is a very simple task. Between now and whenever they see the Niners, whether it's the divisional round or the title game, f- get this thing buttoned up. Like, figure out a way to become competent and decent tackling and, and, and stopping the run. That's it. Because that's, that's the only thing I'm really worried about is that team and that specific spot in January here. Other than that, I mean, go ahead. Knock yourself out this weekend. Knock yourself out on Monday, Commanders. R- run the ball with Brian Robinson. I mean, they, they'll they're do averaging it. averaging like 3.2 yards per carry. I know it's a great story, but he's been terrible. You think the story is a little bit, uh, you know, taking hold more than the player so far? A little bit. I would say so. I mean, that offense is doing him no favors. He's standing behind Taylor Heineke. Yeah. You know what? And we really haven't spoken much about the game besides with Elliott a few minutes ago. I know it's a division game, and Elliott's point is correct. The division games are they're not usually walks in the park. They can get wacky. They can get wacky. Do you, I don't have any, like, there's not a, a concern I have they're going to lose this football game. Against a team that's 26 in point scoring and 25th in yards per attempt running the football? I'm not worried. And a Heineke, I think, is top five in, in um, turnover-worthy plays, like, on, on a rate basis. He obviously hasn't played that much. But he, but he puts the ball up for grabs. I kind of like him, and I, I think he's a, he's a pretty good backup. Could be a spot starter or, or maybe a starter for a team that, if they have good players around him. But he puts the ball in harm's way. And and if you look at their offense, we, we talk about how the Eagles seem to play a team that can run the ball and, and really beat you on both sides. They've scored over 20 points once since week three. Yeah, Their offense just doesn't really inspire much confidence. They've turned the ball over at least once in every game except their week six win over the Bears in a hotly contested 12-7 game. They aren't that good. <laughs> and it can get weird, and obviously the Eagles played them in week three, and the Eagles dominated, but... I don't know. I just I don't respect their competition level right now. No, and 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 they're full of distractions over there as well. I mean that that team is a mess. They're getting sued by their own fans. It's a problem. Yeah, and their owners hiding on a yacht trying not to sell the team. It, it's a mess. I, I feel good on Monday night. Two one five five nine two ninety four ninety four. It's how you hot board. We'll come back. Hot stove check in. We'll give you our favorite NFL players for the week. NFL picks, guests, the takes, and props for Monday night. The Eagles and. The Commanders will give you our favorite ones over at FanDuel Sportsbook to play. Maybe even a same-game parlay to put together. That's coming up on Sports Radio 94 WIP. Football season's underway. So now is the perfect time to download FanDuel in partnership with Valley Forge Casino, America's number one sportsbook. Because right now, new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's free bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Sign up, promo code... Jillio. Look, FanDuel is all your favorite bets. Money lines, points, spread the player props. And with live betting, you get updated odds on games that have already started on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. I love the FanDuel app. FanDuel Sportsbook is the official partner of 94WIP. Sign up today. Promo code Jillio for your no sweat first. But that's promo code G-I-G-L-I-O. Make every moment more this season with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Welcome back, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Joe Giglio with you. Tucker Bagley's behind the glass. You guys with us. 215-592-9494. It's how you hop aboard here on this Friday night. Uh, we got a lot to hit on here. 
NFL Picks guest takes coming up in a couple minutes. We need the football music. That's going to feel like a real football Friday. We'll get to that. And, Is that a hint? Uh, yes. Well, and a Fandle uh, Sportsbook, our fair props for the Eagles and the Commanders. But first, we haven't done hot stove check-ins. I mean, last year we didn't get to do them. That wasn't our fault, though. That was the lockout. The lockout stole the hot stove check-in from us, stole that that wonderful, you know, usually 9 o'clock every night. Now we can't do it tonight at 9. We're going to move this up to 8.30. But we haven't had hot stove check-ins here for the better part of a couple of years. That's back. Now the Phillies are, you know, trying to follow up a World Series appearance with something even greater next year. And they're connected to a lot of star players in free agency. So last night, MLB trade rumors. Uh, and they have, I think, three or four people that have participated in this. They, they have their list. They, they kind of rank the top 50 free agents. And then the, the writers each, so three or four, I think there's maybe four of them, they predict for each player where they'll, where they'll land. And I went through last night and, and kind of just highlighted every time someone was connected to the Phillies. And then someone predicted that player to the Phillies. Here was the list. Now, obviously, there's more than one person. So the Phillies are not going to get all these players. Each person had a different kind of plan for the Phillies. So maybe they get a pitcher or a hitter, but whatever. Here are all the players last night of the top 50 free agents that were named at least once. The Phillies to this, you know, the, this player to the Phillies was um, kind of singled out at least one time. Here is what the list put together. Trey Turner, Carlos Rodon, Justin Verlander, Taylor Rogers, the relief pitcher who went from the uh, Brewers to the Padres, or Padres to the Brewers this year in that hater deal. Carlos Estevez, Rockies reliever. Ross Stripling. Uh, kind of a number three, four, I'd say a four, number four starting pitcher. Gene Segura, obviously if they strike out on, on the middle infielders, they bring him back. And Adam Adovino, Adam Adovino, the former uh, Red Sox and, and Met and Yankee relief pitcher. Turner, Rodon, Verlander, Rogers, Estevez, Stripling, Segura, Adovino. Here is what I took from, from those predictions. They were split on where the Phillies would spend their biggest dollars. Two of the of the writers thought it would be on a pitcher, obviously Carlos Rodon or Justin Verlander. One thought it would be on a bat with Trey Turner. Every they four, uh, three starting pitchers were named: Stripling, Rodon, Verlander. So everyone kind of thought they needed a starter, and everyone gave them some sort of bullpen help, whether it be Rogers, Estevez, Adovino as the reliever. So you kind of canvas what the guesses were: a relief pitcher, a star. And then at least one starting pitcher, depending on the level of the kind of starting pitcher, whether it be a, a back end of the guy like a Ross Stripling or uh, obviously a, a superstar. But I, I thought it was interesting. The, the main theme was they get one star player, Turner, Rodon, Verlander. I think that makes sense. And whether that is someone at the front of their rotation or at the top of their lineup, it's something, despite the fact they've spent hundreds of millions of dollars the last few years, it's something they need, right? You look at how they lost the World Series. They lost for two reasons. The offense went ice cold mm-hmm. after that Game 3 barrage, and they just didn't have the pitching depth to match up with Houston. Now, no. I don't think any team in baseball has the pitching depth to match up with Houston, but your rotation went, like, three deep, and your bullpen went two deep. It's not enough. It, it isn't, right? If you add a, another starter like Justin Merlander or Carlos Rodon, all of a sudden Ranger Suarez is your Game 4 starter, or all of a sudden you can actually fill out a legitimate – Pitching rotation for a seven-game series, like, that's impressive. You don't need Noah Syndergaard or Kyle Gibson tossing bullpen games in, in game four of the NLCS. And you also look at the top of the lineup, like, just adding Trey Turner, adding somebody who can kind of push 
everybody else down and lessen the burden on someone like Reese Hoskins if he's still here. Not only do I think it would it would help that, but if you do move on from Reese Hoskins, it makes the, the that blow a little bit easier. Well, it would. Um, and, and to the pitching point, you know, I, we keep talking about Andrew Painter. He's going to be here at some point, but it is risky to to just ask a lot of him. He's 19 years old. How many innings could that kid realistically pitch for the Phillies next year? And then you throw October on it, right? Now we're looking at the idea of them being a playoff team. This is not like a hope. It's an expectation when you get to next season. I mean, how many innings does he have in his arm next year? To yeah, And, and they're not going to burn him out. They're not going to mark prior this kid and to get him hurt at 21 years old. So there's going to be a limit, whether that's, I don't know, 150 through 100 this year about there. It's not easy to spread 150 innings over seven months. Like If he's good enough to make the rotation opening day – He's either going to have to have five inning starts pretty often, four inning starts pretty often to kind of smooth it out over the year, or he's going to have to take three weeks off in the middle of the season just to limit the inning. So if they did sign a legitimate starting pitcher, not only Tucker's thought of, oh, you have four in the playoffs, but you also have cover if this kid just isn't ready to be every fifth day, six innings, like he might be two, three years from now when he is, you know, he's he's graduated to that level. And then you think to the postseason – like, they, imagine if they get Carlos Rodon and they had Wheeler, Nola, Rodon, Suarez. They're your four. Like, Andrew Payne could go to the bullpen in the postseason. Like, we, David Price did that the year the Phillies beat the Rays in the. In the um, Kershaw did that early in his career, too. Right. And then you kind of, you, they're still part of it. You get their quality arm in the biggest moments, but they're only asked to throw, like, you know, five or six or seven innings, you know, maybe over two or three weeks in the playoffs. That is a way to do it, too. I think the biggest question they have this offseason is where do they want to throw their bulk of their money? Is it at the hitter, likely shortstop, or is it at a pitcher? And I I don't know if if there's a right answer. I mean, you could, you could kind of argue it either way. I feel like it's going to be a matter of which one of the like, – the Justin Verlander thing, I know he wasn't great in the World Series, but I can't discount that Dave Dombrowski tie. Like, if, if he doesn't find the spot he wants or the Dodgers and the Yankees don't maybe want him as much as he wants them, I could see Verlander here. It wouldn't shock me. It wouldn't shock me either. I just think it's baffling that he's 40 years old and coming off a, a Cy Young award. Like, this doesn't happen anymore. No. The only person you could compare it to, and it's someone that was maybe getting a little help, is Roger Clemens when he went to Houston. Yep. And he's kept going. I, I, I believe he still was pitched into a low ERA when he finally hung him up. Like, he never stopped pitching well. I think he was still getting top five Cy Young votes his last couple of years. Yeah. Ago. I mean, and Verlander's talked about um, – you know, um, Nolan Ryan is kind of an idol and someone he wants to to be like. I mean, I, I wouldn't be shocked if he pitches three more years at a really high level. And he's he's in, I guess, shouting distance of 300 wins. So I I guarantee Verlander is going to go somewhere he thinks there's a lot of wins on the table. I, I think that's something he thinks he might have a shot at three, four years from now. He's got 244 right now. Oh, he's not that far. If he hangs on for four more seasons, I think he's there. Could you say he's a young 39, considering he didn't pitch at the age of 37 or 38? You could, yeah. I mean, you're right. He missed a couple years. I mean, how many innings does he have? 2,500? 3,100. Wow. It's still, yeah. Well, he always pitched 2,250 innings. Yeah, so he, I guess. he threw over 230 innings every year for about a six-year stretch when he was in his 20s. Yeah, I mean, but to put that in perspective of guys that, that win 300 games, like Roger Clemens had 4,900 innings. So he's still ways off from that. Like, he's... You know, he's still 1,800 innings behind that guy. So, yeah, he has a way to go. But so, And Rodon is one that 
has not I, – I, this is the first time I saw it linked to the Phillies. You know, the, we, we talked about the trade deadline where Carlos Rodon. I wanted the Phillies to trade for him, and I thought that was the kind of move you make to win a World Series. Now, I don't know if the Phillies in late July thought they were going to get to within game six. If they did, maybe they do make the trade for Carlos Rodon, but he's really good, really, really good. And he's not old. I mean, you could also make a case that he's a young 30 because he's you know, he kind of got a slow start. He missed a lot of time with injuries. I, I would be only got 840 innings in the big leagues. Yeah, that's he's got a not much wear and tear on that arm. Now, two years ago, they had to shut him down in Chicago because he's had a dead arm and his velocity went down. But he was so good this year, like Cy Young, kind of good. Like he might get votes um, for the NL Cy Young, like top five votes. He'd be awesome here. I mean, he he is a dominant pitcher, and their rotation. You might say it's the best in baseball if they get one of those two guys we just talked about. Like, if you have Wheeler, Rodon, or, or Verlander, Nola as a three, Suarez, and Painter, that might be the best. I think one through five is just as far as potential stuff. It, it would have to be. And, and Nola is someone that I know we debate whether or not he, he's an ace or a two, but three. if he were a three, he'd be the best number three in baseball. He would. Uh, no, he absolutely would. So the uh, And then the other one was Trey Turner. That one we've talked about. I think of the, all this conversation, it's the most likely. But the other part that stood out to me just looking at the predictions was Taylor Rogers, Carlos Estevez, Adam Adovino. Almost half the names mentioned were relief pitchers. I, it's kind of the part of the team where you're ignoring how much they have to add to it. You know, like, so Sir Anthony locked in. Alvarado locked in. Connor Brogdon locked in. How much more is locked in for next season? That's, that we know is going to be in the bullpen. Not much. Are they searching for a Corey Knable replacement I, or David Robertson replacement? Like, I, I, I think, think so. they need another high-leverage right-handed arm for when Dominguez can't go. Yeah. I mean, I, I would think they're they're going to have to get two guys, I would think. Now, they can make a trade. I mean, they could also – you know, not everything has to be free agency with this offseason, but they need arms in the bullpen. They don't have enough. Um, now, a guy like Griff McGarry, who's in the minors and a starter, he, I could see him being part of this next year. But They moved him to the bullpen at the end of the year, didn't he, yeah. to try and get him up in, in September? I think he, then he got a blister, and then the whole plan like went to heck. And then they just brought up Eflin instead. And that worked. I mean, they, again, they got to the World Series and, and got to Game 6. So, work to do. We'll keep an eye on these rumors. Hot stove check-ins coming your way every single night here on the evening show. All right, let's get to NFL picks. Guess the takes for Week 10 in the NFL. As we look here at a week, I like underdogs. I, I really do. I like underdogs. We'll do it the pit. We'll get the picks out and then uh, give you some guess the takes for week number ten. But I like underdogs this week. So when you look across the NFL this week, I think there's actually a couple games where the wrong team is favored. And I mean, I don't say that often. I mean, the, these books know what they're doing. But I've got three games I really like. I'll start with Cleveland and Miami. Miami's good and they're impressive. Offense is really good. I think their defense is very suspect in Miami. And, and I think they're coming off of two games where they got to beat up on some really bad defenses in Chicago and in Detroit. And I think it's kind of inflated how good Miami is overall as a team. Pretty good. Probably a playoff team. But I think Cleveland could play with them this week. And I think Cleveland getting three and a half points is the right side of this game. I'll take the Browns off a of bye to go to Miami, score a bunch, and keep this game close. Browns plus three and a half. My second game this week... This is one I think the wrong team is favored. There is no way in the world Andy Dalton and the Saints on the road should be a favorite. They're not good. That's not a good football team. Their offense has been horrendous the last couple weeks. Andy Dalton, a, a road favorite against Mike Tomlin, 
extra time to repair off the bye. And you look at the Steelers. I know they're not good. But if you take away the Eagles and Bills game, they got blown out twice by the Eagles and Bills. They've been in every other game. I like the Steelers this week. I think they're going to win outright at home. On a short week, New Orleans played home Monday night, have to travel on a short week to Pittsburgh, outdoor game for a dome team. I will take the Steelers. I'm going to call this the Kenny Pickett kind of breakout game where Kenny Pickett has his first big game. The Steelers win, upset. Steelers plus the one and a half against the Saints. My third game is another game where I think the wrong team is favored. And the wrong team being the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I think that the Seattle Seahawks are a better team than Tampa Bay. Seattle, it's taken weeks for everyone around football to realize, like, oh, wow, they're good? You know, it's not just a cute story after a couple weeks. Pete Carroll is, I would say, the coach of the year right now. I'd probably vote him over Nick Sirianni. That's how good of a job Pete Carroll's done. And here's, here's the part that really is interesting about Seattle. First few weeks, it was Geno Smith. It was the offense. Like, where's this coming from? But their defense stunk. If you look at the last three weeks, the number one defense in yards per play allowed, Seattle. That young defense with a lot of rookies running around is really playing well. It's a perfect Pete Carroll team with a young defense that's making plays, a quarterback that's not making mistakes, and an offense that can be explosive and run the ball with Kenneth Walker, who is certain WIP fantasy you know, league owners. I mean, they took him, and they're paying dividends right now. Remember when Richie tried to trade like Darnell Mooney for him? And we held on. We knew Kenneth, the Kenneth Walker day would come, and it has. I will take the Seahawks plus two and a half. In Germany, by the way, 9 a.m. in Germany. Do you uh, Did you hear this week about the, the nugget about Germany and the Seahawks? I have not. Are they undefeated in Germany? Well, no, they never played there. But apparently, so yes. apparently, and I don't know why this happened, Germany is a huge hub for Seahawks fans. It is expected to be almost a Seahawks home crowd. They love the Seahawks in Germany. I, I don't know why. It just became a, a weird thing. Like Germany isn't even near the sea. I don't know how it happened. All I know is they love – there was a whole story on NFL Network about how, like, it's the, the country loves the Seahawks. Like, they have Seahawks bars all over the place. It's going to be a Seahawks crowd in Germany on Sunday. I'll take the road team or neutral team or whatever you want to say with the home field advantage with their fans. Seahawks plus 2.5, Steelers plus 1.5, Browns plus the 3.5 for our picks for week number – Ten. Now, guess the takes. Try to guess what everyone's talking about here. Coming up on Monday and Tuesday with the NFL Week 10. Number one, I think the National Eagles undefeated story becomes a thing next week. It's become a thing here this week. It's become one of the biggest talking points on WIP this week. The pursuit, would it be good, would it not be good? Pros, cons of the idea of the Eagles going undefeated. Next week is when it becomes the story across the NFL. Primetime, Monday night, ESPN. It enters the programming into Tuesday, and it rolls from there. Eagles and their chances of going undefeated become one of the predominant stories in the NFL starting next week. Take number two you're going to hear next week is that we may have totally written off the Packers too quickly. I'm not ready yet, and they look terrible. I'm not trying to say they don't. I just think it's too much, too quickly to just say the Packers are dead and Aaron Rodgers off to back-to-back MVPs. It's just, it's over. I have to believe there's some sort of last stand before it all putters away. Are they going to come back and make the playoffs? Probably not. They're 3-6. and six. But I, I just sense there's one more 
fight from the Packers before their season is totally dead. I won't be surprised if Rodgers plays well, and I won't be surprised if they beat the Cowboys on Sunday in Lambeau Field. That's take number two, that we buried the Packers a little bit too quickly here. And take number three, you're going to hear on Monday, is that the Vikings are the most fraudulent seven-win team in mid-November you're going to see. They're pretty good. They're probably going to win the NFC North. But I think they're going to lose on Sunday in Buffalo to Case Keenum. The Vikings and all their one-score victories, I think it comes back to get them. They lose a one-score game to Case Keenum. You're going to hear about how the Vikings might not be what we thought or what some people thought. That's the third take you're going to hear. Too quick to bury Rodgers, too. And the number one take you'll hear next week when you turn on any show, the Eagles and the pursuit of perfection. It becomes a national story next week. So those are the picks and the takes for week number 10 across the NFL. All right, let's get to our, our FanDuel Sportsbook props, our favorite props for week number 10 here. And we always like to go with the Eagles game. And and this one is interesting because we saw this matchup already. We, we got the Eagles and the Commanders early in the season, and it was a big-time Jalen Hurts game. It was a big-time Devontae Smith game. And it was a gigantic game for the Eagles' defense. I mean, sacks everywhere and just, I mean, an incredible amount of, of production. Brandon Graham, one of his best games uh, of his career. I mean, Devontae Smith had you know a game that he may never replicate again as long as he plays. That's how good Devontae was that day. But as you look towards Monday night with this matchup again, I, I'm going back to the Devontae Smith well. I mean, Devontae Smith strikes me as a guy in this matchup. They couldn't cover him. Tucker, Devontae is 2-1 to one for a touchdown, plus 200. And you can also get Devontae Smith at 10-1 to one for the first touchdown score, I think it's an I think it's a Devonte Smith game on Monday, and pretty good numbers at uh, at Fanduel Sportsbook. Yeah, and I feel like Devonte Smith has been pretty quiet lately, really since that that Washington game. It's through no fault of his own. It's just the the offense has kind of been been taking turns, and, and that's the way it's gone this season. But he only had two catches for twenty two yards against Houston, five catches for twenty three yards against Pittsburgh. I have a weird feeling that Nick Sirianni is going to try to get him the ball early and often, just like. After he was, you know, shut out in Detroit, he had seven catches against Minnesota and then eight against Washington. I could see a concerted effort to get Devontae Smith the ball. Yeah, so let's let's put that in a same-game parlay or a same-game parlay plus over at FanDuel Sportsbook. Devontae Smith, anytime touchdown score. I like that at 2-1 to one at plus 200. But this one might be my favorite uh, look in a same-game parlay for Monday Night Football. So you could you could take the Eagles to cover in the first half. Now, last Thursday or two Thursdays ago against the Commanders was the first time they didn't cover in the first half. It, like that game, it is a six-and-a-half-point number. Eagles favored by six-and-a-half in the first half. I have one I like even better. How about Eagles team total in the first half? for The Eagles points in the first half. Now, they score in the second quarter, I mean, a crazy amount all the time anyway. It's only 13-and-a-half. All the Eagles have to do to cover this number is score 14 heading into halftime. This might be my favorite prop of the weekend. Eagles over 13 and a half points first half Monday night. We know what they do in the second quarter. I'm not asking for three touchdowns. I just need 14 points in the first half. That feels very doable. And and if you take it this way, you don't have to worry about do they cover. Like, could it be 14-10, 16-10 at the half? It could. But I think the Eagles will certainly have 14 points on the board at halftime. Uh, it's something they've done every game this year. They've scored 14 a couple times. They've scored 20. They've scored 24. They've scored 21. That's a number they've topped in every single game this season. Yeah, let's put that one in there. So, so we have Devontae Smith 
Anytime touchdown. We have the Eagles over 13.5 points in the first half of the game. And we are looking here at, let's go with another anytime touchdown score. I mean, Miles Sanders is minus 120. It's amazing. Miles Sanders couldn't find the end zone if you dropped him off at the one-yard line last year. And this year, he just keeps finding his way into the end zone. He's at minus 120. Um, and it's not a bad look to think Miles is going to score again. But I've got another one that I think is an interesting idea for Monday Night Football. So we mentioned that Taylor Heineke has an enormous amount of turnover-worthy plays. This game could get out of hand in the second half if they're down. You know, the commanders are down 10, 13 points. He's trying to make something happen. What do we think about an Eagles defensive score on Monday Night Football? We haven't had too many of those this year. Have we had? Have we had any? Have they scored on had defense? Had a lot of defensive turnovers, most right. in the NFL, but I can't think of a defensive touchdown. Doesn't it feel like they're due for a team that takes the ball away as often as they do to take one back, to pick it up off the ground, or to get an interception at the twenty-five and Slay or Bradbury runs it in? I feel like they've had one. Maybe I'm off on that. Uh, Bradbury had one in week. One. Oh yeah, against the Lions, week one. Yes, right. I could picture Goff throwing to his left like a slant, and he picked it off and ran it to the end zone. Yes, but I believe that's it. Everything else has been a, a pass or a run. That was an interception. Well, that tells me they're due. Then L- let's put this in. Let's put an Eagles defensive score. It is plus four ninety on the same game parlay for an Eagles defensive touchdown on Monday night against the Commanders. It just feels like Heineke, you know, turnover worthy plays. You know, deep in their in their own zone. I could absolutely see a defensive score by the Eagles. So if we just leave it the way it is, just three likes, Devontae Smith, anytime touchdown score, Philadelphia defense, anytime touchdown score, Eagles over 13 and a half. That comes out to about 25 to one on a same game parlay. 10 bucks would win you about $250. What do you think? You in? Yeah, that sounds good to me. Now I do have one other angle that this would kind of boost up the, uh, the odds a little bit. If we wanted to, to change yeah, a little it. wild. A little Friday wild. night. Let's, yeah, let's change it up. I'm going to just tweak one thing. So we, we agreed we could have the Eagles score on defense. Well, you could get a little bit crazier, and instead of just any time touchdown score for the Eagles defense, what if the last touchdown of the game is an Eagles defensive score? They used to do that a lot. Remember 2017? They did that all the time. Yes, Brandon Graham. Maybe twice that season? Against, week one against Washington, he did it. Right. And maybe against the Rams, too, after when in the game Foles came in. He did. So if you change it to Eagles' last touchdown score instead of just any time, that prop goes to 20-1 to 1 instead of plus 490. So, Tucker, you said you want to get crazy. It's a Friday night. What do we have to lose here? This three, three-leg same-game parlay over at Fandle. Devontae Smith, anytime touchdown. Over 13.5 points, Eagles to the first half. And the Eagles' defense to score the last touchdown of the game. You know what that one comes out to? That would be ten bucks to win one thousand four hundred and sixty-seven dollars. Wow, that's the parlay. That's more than I make in a night here. That well, that there you go. You, that, you, well, um, are you working Monday? I am. I'm oh, in the well, afternoon show. Right, you are. I, I was thinking you weren't because we're not. You know, we have a show Monday, right? The game is. Yeah, on. some of us still show up to work. Well, you weren't. I even volunteered. Th- you weren't okay, but you, last time we had talked, you weren't gonna because I didn't know I was either until I checked the schedule by happenstance today and found out that I'm actually working the, well, the afternoon show. Good thing you you looked at it, otherwise we had a problem. But you know what? You know you don't have to work because I'm gonna hit, we're gonna hit this parlay. Devontae Smith anytime touchdown on Monday. Eagles over 13 and a half in the first half of the game. Philadelphia defense last touchdown of the game. Heineke tries to make something happen. Ball pops up. They run it back for a touchdown. Maybe Chauncey. 
maybe uh, C.J. Gardner-Johnson scores himself there. That is, you know, that that that's our parlay here. Very excited to put this one in over at FanDuel Sportsbook. All right, what to watch for your sponsor by Xfinity? Xfinity, the fast internet in Philadelphia, and the sponsor of our Xfinity Lounge. Well, I'm interested to watch Sunday's games, right? Because we have we've had a lot of Sundays recently without the Eagles. I've I've got a chance to watch a lot of the NFL Red Zone. It's kind of a Red Zone day on on Sunday. And I'll, I, will, I will certainly be peeking in on the other two teams in the NFCs as we watch because they've had good seasons and, and they're not that far off the ledger here. Giants-Texans on Sunday? I guess the Giants are going to get another win. They might be the worst 7-2 team in a while. It's fascinating, isn't it? They, they remind me of like a mid-major college team. They win a lot because they just don't make mistakes. Yeah. And they wait for you to make a mistake. They, like, they let other like that's how they beat the Ravens, right? They let Lamar, Lamar Jackson turn the ball over twice in the last two minutes and just didn't do that themselves. They and they play the Texans this week. I mean, they I'd be surprised they lost that game. And then we have the Cowboys at the Packers. Cowboys, you know, you know, this is the first time in Aaron Rodgers' career. This will be 121 home games. He's favor he's a dog by more than a field goal. Ever. That's amazing. I feel like the Packers are going to be in this game on Sunday. It just feels like it's too easy. The Pack, the Packers stink. The Cowboys are good. I think we get a game on Sunday. There, I'll be I'll be watching that one. It's got kind of a red zone day before we get to. We've had a lot of those. I was thinking that. Well, we had the Eagles play what Monday against the Vikings week two. We had a Thursday game. We had a bye. Right? Those are those our three and a Sunday night game. A Sunday night game and a Monday night game coming up. Oh, we, and we have more coming. I mean, this is three out of four weeks now that, that we've had it. Yeah, we've had a lot. I, and I don't mind it. Four I mean, out of five, if you include the, the Sunday night game against Dallas the week before the bye. I know some people like their 1 o'clock Sunday routine. I don't mind watching the whole NFL and the Eagles on a primetime spot. I do think 4 o'clock is my favorite. If I had to choose. Well, it feels big at 4. I think it feels bigger, and you can watch pretty much the majority yeah. of the games on NFL Red Zone. And then focus on the Eagles and not miss much at 4 o'clock. Yeah, I like that too. Um, we have any fours coming up? What do we have? We have uh, Christmas Eve. That's a big one. Yeah. Might interfere with Christmas Eve mass for some people. Yeah, You know what? If the Eagles are undefeated in Dallas, I, I just I, I, I can't make decisions for you know the churches, but I'm just saying maybe we just postpone those masses. Can we just postpone Christmas Eve? I, I I don't think that's allowed. I don't think anyone actually will postpone anything. But the attendance likely will be less than normal. I'm just going to say. If the Eagles are undefeated, that might be the highest-rated NFL game regular season in a very long time. An undefeated Eagles – undefeated anybody, but undefeated Eagles at Cowboys on Christmas Eve when, when no one's anywhere but home anyway, and you're with people, with family. But that game would be – that would have record ratings for it. That that would be a remarkable, remarkable. Um, I do think it's interesting they end the season against the Giants the way the Patriots ended their season against the Giants. That's in, that is interesting. It's all coming circling back around, and it's been fifty years. It's symmetry since those Dolphins that we're ready to get rid of just beat up on a four and twelve Buffalo Bills team a few times. You guys have a great night. We'll talk uh, next week. TK coming up after some football talk on WIP.